We are in our 13th week uh, looking at the Gospel of John and talking about who is Jesus. Really important question, more than halfway through this book. And as we uh, look at this tonight, I want you to just think with me about some of the things that maybe you enjoy or like um, and, and the areas or places that you go to and what defines those things. So maybe your favorite restaurant, like what is it about your restaurant that you like? What defines it? My wife and I really like going to Root Down, and what defines Root Down? I mean, all sorts of things, but they've got great service, their food, a lot of it is local, a lot of it's gluten-free, um, we like the aesthetic in there. Uh, if you think about maybe your neighborhood and what defines your neighborhood, and what is it about your neighborhood maybe that brought you to move into it in the first place, and you were told about it, or you were driving around, and what was it about the neighborhood that defined the neighborhood that you said, man, I want to live here? Or the house that you live in, and as the real estate agent was showing it to you, what defined that house? Maybe a certain amount of bedrooms, or the possibility, maybe it sucks, but the possibility of what could be done with it defined it, and you're like, wow, I see something amazing here that will take a lot of money to happen, but, but I see it. And you're, some of you are like, that's too true. Um, but what defines some of the things? Maybe what, even Denver. I know a lot of us are new to Denver and moved to Denver. What defined Denver to us that made us go, man, I want to be there? Maybe it's the, the, um, you know, the activities and different things that it offers in the mountains or, I mean, all sorts of things. But what defines some of the things that you like? And if you think about even just the church or Christian community, when you think about what defines Christian community? What defines it? Most people, uh, if, you, if you're not, I mean, some people would have negative things to say that we would say, well, here's what defines Christians. But most people, if we think about, man, what defines Christian community or what defines the church, most people would say love, right? That that's kind of what the defining characteristic is supposed to be, at least, right? And yet, I think that that's wrong for um, how we often think about it. And what we're going to look at tonight in this chapter Jesus begins, really this week and then the next couple weeks, Jesus begins to really lay a foundation for his leaving and the new community that he is going to create, the church. Jesus is going to leave, and he is teaching his disciples over the next several chapters, this is the foundation for the new community that I'm building. And there's going to be two things that we're going to see, and it's not often, I don't think, how we think of it. And so if you have a Bible, uh, open it up to chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up here on the screen. We're actually just going to read the whole thing, and, uh, and then we'll go through it and look at what Jesus says defines the Christian community. And so here's chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So from start to finish, everything Jesus is doing with them is love. During supper, Jesus is an old man that calls things supper. During supper, when the devil had already, that's dinner for us younger people. During uh, supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his Waist. So he takes off his robe and ties a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm going to do, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. So Jesus is washing their feet. He comes up to Peter, and Peter's like, you're going to wash me? And Jesus says, if you want to be a part of me. And then Peter says, okay, well then wash all of me. And Jesus says, uh, no thank you. And then, um, and then Jesus says, hey, you're, you're, everybody's clean except for one of you. So the suspense kind of starts to build. One of you is going to betray him. He, he knows that this is going to happen. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. And he quotes, he who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he, the Messiah. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, this is John, the author of the book, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, this is kind of how they would eat. They're all kind of laying down. It's weird. I, I would lay down and show you, but that'd be even more weird. But they're laying down, and so one of them's kind of laying next to Jesus and says to him, so the disciple motioned him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows what he's going to do. Jesus isn't afraid of that. Jesus knows why he came. And he says to him, hey, what you're going to do, do it. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man, talking about himself, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. He's saying, now is the time for my glory to really show, which will be on the cross. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, 
And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? And truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So, the first thing that Jesus says that we need as the foundation, the defining characteristic of the community that he's creating, it's something about who we are. So, here's what we're looking at. What is the defining characteristic of Christian community? What's the defining characteristic? And Jesus really has two things in here. And I said, and I, and I hold to this, that it's more than what we think of when usually we think, oh, it's love. It's the, the Christian community is a place of love. And Jesus is going to show us it's, it's something much more beyond that. And it's two things. The first is this. It's defined by who we are. And who are we? Who are we? Jesus says this in his command. He says, his new command that he gives to them, that as he's laying this foundation for a new community, he says that he wants, as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. So let's focus on the first part of that. As I have loved you. So here's what Jesus is saying. You know who you are? You're somebody that is loved. You're somebody that is loved by a God that serves. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, and what does he do to show that? Jesus says, you are, you are somebody that is loved by a serving God, or you are somebody that is served by a loving God. Jesus says, you are somebody loved and served by God. And what does he do? He gets down, this is amazing, he gets down and washes their feet. Now that would have been something that would have been inconceivable for them. That would have been something that just, I mean, if that would have been something that slaves would do. That's why Jesus even makes a point and says, you call me Lord and Master, and yet look what, look what I'm doing. Think about anybody in your life that is um, in some sort of authority or higher position or maybe a celebrity or a boss or anyone that has some sort of power or glory, and you wouldn't think that that person would serve you and wash your feet. It's, it's an amazing thing that Jesus does here. That he says, you know what kind of God I am? You know, you know who you are? You're somebody that's loved and served by God. And you, and you know what kind of God I am? I'm one that washes feet. That's not the common conception that most people think of when they think of God, right? I mean, a couple years ago, Kanye and Eminem, both in the same year, had songs about being God. Eminem had a song called Rap God, and Kanye, I don't remember what his was called, but... It was, it was, maybe I'm, I'm a God, I don't remember. But in it, both of them say things like, I am a God, serve me, hurry up with my massage, hurry up and serve me, because I'm a God. And even if you were to Google God or something, the images that you would see would be of this glory and this power and a throne, and it's these images that are big and mighty above us. And that's what we're used to thinking of when we think of God. 
And Jesus says, let me show you what kind of God I am. And he gets down and washes their feet. It was something that, I mean, just wouldn't, even today, think about even today. Has anyone washed your feet besides you? I mean, I don't mean today, like, I mean, talking about in our day. I mean, I actually was a part of a foot washing thing one time. And it was this Christian uh, thing and people, and it was the most weird, uncomfortable thing ever. I was like, I, like, you, I, it's just weird, right? I thought about actually, I was like, maybe I should put an ad on Craigslist and see how much it would cost for someone to wash my feet. I thought about that this week. Just not, not, mainly just for an illustration. (laughs) I was like, I wonder how much would I have to pay someone to wash my feet? Because it's such a weird thing, right? And then, and then, you know, then when they actually got there to wash my feet, they'd probably double charge me because they'd be like, um, hobbit feet. That's an extra, an extra $200. But I can guarantee you this, whoever would have, if somebody would have uh, let me pay them to wash my feet, it wouldn't have been someone powerful and important, right? It would have been someone desperate. It wouldn't be someone that we would, I mean, it wouldn't have been, you know, the mayor of Denver. It wouldn't have been the governor. I mean, it wouldn't have been someone that we think of with power or authority. This is what Jesus is saying. You know what defines the Christian community? You know what the first thing that defines it? You know what the defining characteristic is? It's who we are. And who we are are people that are loved by a servant God. People that are served by a loving God. Think about what picture you have in your mind of Jesus when you usually think of him. When you usually think of Jesus, what's the picture that you have in your mind? It may be someone that has power, and he does. It may be someone that's the king, and he is. It may be someone that gives us commands and tells, even commissions us, here's what I want you to do in this city, here's what I want you to do in your life, and he does do that. But is the picture of Jesus in your mind somebody that comes down and washes your feet? Imagine right now, if Jesus were to walk down here and walk into your pew and take off your shoes and pull off your socks and start washing your feet, what would, I mean, what would you feel? I think most of us, if we can actually imagine that, would kind of feel this like, stop, don't do that, right? We wouldn't just go, oh, this is going to be great. We would have this kind of revulsion in us of, don't do that. What are you doing? You're Jesus. Wouldn't we? I would. I know I would. I was thinking about this like, man, what would it feel like if I'm just sitting here and Jesus comes up to me and bends down and starts to wash my feet? I think I would just be freaked out. And I would say, stop, don't. That's what Peter does. Peter says, don't, you're going to wash my feet? What are you doing? Because our picture of God is this one with power and authority that we serve. And Jesus says, no, you know who you are? You know who you are? You're somebody that is served by God. You're somebody who God bends down on his knees and washes your toes. And feet now are gross, but feet back then were nasty. I mean, just filthy. And Jesus says, I mean, think about this. Look, if you were to wear a t-shirt and go outside, well, maybe if a sweatshirt and go outside, and it said, God serves me, people would go, 
huh? You're arrogant. What kind of blasphemy is that? Jesus is saying, you know who you are? You're someone who God serves. You're someone who God, what does that mean? It means God is for us. It means that God's thoughts and his mind and his desires are just filled with love for us. That when God looks at us and thinks of us, he says, man, I want to wash your feet. I care for you so much. I care for you so much that everything in my mind and everything in my plans and everything that I do in your life is serving you. I mean, Jesus is kind of acting out this parable to show this is what I'm like. This is who you are. You're someone loved and served by me. That's an amazing thing. Jesus says this is the most important thing that defines Christian community, and it's an uncomfortable thing for us. We can envision ourselves serving God. We can envision ourselves obeying God, but it's a lot harder to think of Jesus washing our feet. And yet Jesus says, here's the, here's the first thing. You want to know what the definition, you want to know what the defining characteristics of Christian community are? The first thing is this, we have to know who we are, and we're people that are loved and served by God. We're people that are loved and served by God. But there's a second defining characteristic. And it's how we love. See, Jesus says that there's this new command that he gives them as he's leaving that is going to define the community that he builds. And he says, just as I have loved you, that's part one, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. But here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to point out. This is different from the other examples I listed. If you think about your favorite restaurant, or you think about your neighborhood, or you think about your house, or you think about, you think about those things and what defines them. You think about your favorite restaurant, what defines it? You think about your house and why you bought it, what defined it? And the things of what defines it are all things that we look to as benefits that we'll get, Right? And the restaurant has great service or has great food or the food's organic or the house has this many bedrooms and the neighborhood has these great things. But that's not what Jesus is saying that Christian community is like. That's not what Jesus is saying is the defining characteristic of the church or, or the community that he is building. That's not what Jesus says. See, because what we think is this. My favorite restaurant has good food and it's got good service. And that's what I look for in the defining characteristic. And the church, the kind of church that I would like to be a part of is one that's loving. It's one that's friendly. It's one that's welcoming. It's one that, that people really are serving each other. That, that's the defining characteristic of the, the church that I would want to be a part of, the church that I'm looking for. And Jesus says, no, the defining characteristic isn't that. The defining characteristic of Christian community is first who you are as somebody that's been loved and served by God, but second, the defining characteristic is that you are somebody that loves and serves in that community. Now that's very different from saying I'm looking for a community of love and servantness, servant-heartedness. It's saying no, the defining characteristic is I am somebody that walks into that community and loves and serves. See, this would be like saying, you know what the defining characteristic of my favorite restaurant is? I tip a lot. Huh? That's weird. 
But that's what it's like. Jesus isn't saying, go find a Christian community. Go find a church. Go find a group of people that will love you and serve you. And he says, no, here's, here's what it is. It's a place that you can love and serve. See how that's very different, right? But a lot of times in our mind, we view the church and we view community and we view relationships the same way we view the other things in our life. If I want a place where it's loving and serving, instead of, I'm looking for dirty feet to wash. Isn't that very different? Isn't it very different to say, you know what defines the Christian community? It's a place where people are loved and served by God and where I can love and serve others. Where I can wash dirty feet. I've I've talked to many people that are looking for a church. People that say, I'm looking for a church, and they have their list, just the same way we do with a restaurant. I'm looking for a restaurant that has this, 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 this. I'm looking for a church that has friendly people, loving people. But rarely have I spoken to someone that said, I'm looking for people with a lot of dirty feet so I can wash them. Isn't that very different? But Jesus says that's the defining hallmark of the Christian community. It's not a place that we find where all this stuff is. It's a group of dirty feet that we can wash. And that's a very different defining characteristic. It's Jesus wants us to have this community of love, but he doesn't say go find it. He says go wash feet, go create it. There's always going to be dirty feet out there. And that's what Jesus says to do. So, number one is this. The number one defining thing, if we think about, okay, so we think about what's the defining characteristic of Jesus' community that he's starting? The first one is who we are, which is we're people that are loved and served by God, which is amazing. But the second one is this, it's how we actually love, and it puts the emphasis on us not looking for a group of loving people, but how we love. And when Jesus shows us that, he shows us foot washing, which we can see some different things from that, of what it means for how we love. And as we look at this, I want you to think about yourself, not, okay, so is that what I have? Is that what I'm getting? Because Jesus says, This is what we do. So here's some things that we can see just by what Jesus shows us in foot washing of what that means, of this kind of love, of a foot washing kind of love. The first thing is this. It's a love that is centered on other people. It means that fundamentally we're thinking of others, not ourselves. Nobody washed Jesus right? Jesus didn't go in the room and someone washed his feet and then he washed their feet and one guy had this foot and one guy had this. It's Jesus washed all of their feet because it's a love that is completely centered on other people. It's an other-centered love. It's not concerned about oneself at all. It's not concerned about how I look. It's not concerned. Look, sometimes we will serve other people, right? In the church especially, sometimes we'll serve other people. We'll love other people. We'll treat other people well. But there's a, there's a catch. Because we're also looking for something back in return. I'm willing to love you. I'm willing to serve you. But I'm also thinking about me a little bit. I'm thinking about your response to me. Right? 
I'll love you and serve you, but I'd like some thank yous. I'd like some recognition. I'd like some appreciation. I'd like some respect for everything I've gone through. I'm still thinking about me a little bit. But a foot-washing love is a love that's completely other-centered. It's completely focused on the other person. It's not, there's no self-concern in it. There's no, what, do I, what am I getting out of this? It's thinking, I am here to wash. Look at, look at Jesus. He's there to wash their feet. And he doesn't go, so now, can I get a thank you? Can I get, wow, we've never seen a Messiah do this before? Can I get a round of applause? Can I get, can I get a thank you card? Can I get something? No, he just says, look, I know you don't even get it. That's okay. I'm, I'm just here to wash your feet because I'm thinking about you. I'm not thinking about me. There's no concern about myself. See, because a lot of times we'll serve and we'll love and we'll help people, but there is a part in us that's still looking at us going, do I get some recognition for this? Or do I get some reciprocation for this? Remember that time I washed your feet? Could I get a foot washing today? See, we're looking for some sort of recognition often or looking for some reciprocity that we want others to return to us what we've done for them. That's not other-centered. That's not foot washing. Foot washing says this, I'm not even thinking about me. I'm just here to wash your feet. I'm just here to wash your toes and get the dirt and the muck off of them. That's it. I'm, I'm not even looking at me. I'm just looking at you. I'm not looking for how you'll repay me. I'm not looking for your, your thanks. I'm just here to wash your feet. You know how you know if this is the kind of love you have? You don't feel slighted by other people when they don't recognize what you've done. You don't feel slighted by other people when they don't return what you've done. Not one of the disciples washed his feet. And it doesn't even say that any of them thanked him. You know how you know if you have a love that's focused on other people? You are not thinking. You're not hurt. You're not, you don't feel wounded or criticized or slighted by people's unrecognition or unreturning of your love that you've given. Jesus gets down on his hands and knees and washes their feet. And he's thinking about them. He's thinking about them. See, what happens when we have a self-concern where we're thinking about us? You know what happens? We become blind to what's happening around us. It's because if your eyes are in your love and serving, if your eyes are on you in some way, then what happens is you become blind to the good that God is doing here. Because your eyes are looking down at yourself, still going, but I don't have this. I've talked with people before in my life as a pastor. Talked many people that, whether this church or other churches I've been a part of, that 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 feel like and have have been in situations where man, people are loving them so well, all sorts of things in their life, and then they go, man, nobody's nobody nobody's loving me. No one's caring for me. And sometimes as an objective person to be able to see what's going on, I can go, what are you talking about? Look at this and this and this and this. But they go, yeah, but not this. Because if you are focused on yourself in some way, if your eyes are on you in some way, you become blind to what God is doing around you. Because your eyes are looking at you. 
So you don't see, I mean, think about for yourself, are you more, do you more see the negative than the good? Is it easy for you to see people's faults and people's failures and people's weaknesses and people's deficiencies and how they've loved you? Or is what your eyes are attuned to, man, I can't believe that person loved me like that. I can't believe they served me like that. Or are your eyes looking at, well, they didn't do this and they didn't do this and they didn't, that, man, even no matter how much you've loved and served, if our eyes are still having a self-concern where we want some sort of recognition or we want some sort of response, we become blind to the beauty around us. We we become blind to the good things that God is doing. We miss his grace and power and good in our life. And inevitably, it also leads to conflict. Because what happens is this, if we're going, man, I want, I want to be loved and served. If that's how we come into relationships, I want to be loved and served. Doesn't that create conflict? Because nobody will ever meet the expectations that we have. If how we come into relationships is I want to love and serve, I promise you, you'll never run out of feet to wash. Right? If you say, man, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to love and serve people. You will never run out of opportunities to do that. Never going to happen. But if your eyes are in some way on you, you'll begin to see. They're not loving me the way I want them to love me. They're not helping me the way I want them to help me. And it creates a bitterness and it creates a hurt because our eyes are on us. Jesus is showing us something amazing in his love, that it's other-centered. Think about Jesus' love here. The disciples hadn't done something that he's paying them back in a great act of service. He's washing their feet. He's totally focused on them. Jesus says, The second defining characteristic of Christian community is how we love. And one of the main things we see in here is that that love is an other-centered love. It's totally centered on other people. It's not looking at what I get in return. It's not looking at if there's an equal or even some sort of distribution back to me. It's not a karma kind of love. It's a love that says, I give and I wash feet, and I'm not even thinking about what you're going to do to me. I'm not even thinking about what you think of my serving of you. I'm just loving and serving. Why? Because I love you. Not because I'm wanting something out of it. Now, I'm not saying that, like, man, that's e- isn't that easy? But this is what Jesus is showing us, of what is supposed to define us, is a love that says, I'm here for you to wash your feet. Second thing we see, it's other-centered, which is the main thing, but let me show you a couple other things here. It's really basic, right? It's foot washing. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I I want you to love other people how I've loved you, and so here's what I'm going to do. Million dollars for you, million dollars for you, million dollars for you. Now, isn't that pretty cool what I've done for you? Now, love other people like that. It's not what he does, right? He says, you know what, I want to help them understand how to love other people. And he does something really basic. I mean, it's amazing that he does it, but it's just a a household chore, right? He says, I'm going to get down and wash your feet. Now, here's what this means for us. Love, of how we love, a lot of times is just basic stuff. 
Sometimes, sometimes I know in the Christian community, we're drawn to big acts of love. We're drawn to these big things of, man, if there's a crisis, we'll rally around. If there's some big, huge thing that, that we can get involved in, we'll do it. But the real kind of love, the hard kind of love, is just the daily love, the foot-washing love. I mean, if you're married, you know this in your relationship. It's easy to say, I would take a bullet for you, okay? But will you do the dishes for me? Man, if there's a car coming by, I would jump in the middle and get hit for you. Okay, that's great. But what about your time? Will you give me some of that? It's just a basic love. It's foot washing. It's not some grand gesture that he does, some huge thing to show them this is what love is. He does a household chore. And thirdly, it's gross. It's gross. I mean, it's nasty. Like Jesus is watching, washing dirty, hairy man toes, right? Like that's filthy. And it also sounds like a hipster band, but it's gross, right? Dirty, hairy man toes. It probably is a band. I bet you could look it up. But it's, it's just, it's a gross thing. Jesus is showing us in that that a lot of times love is really uncomfortable, right? But a lot of times how we put our love is some sort of standard of what's comfortable for us. And it's got a really limited scope of I'll go this far, but man, do I really want to wash dirty, hairy man feet? Is that what we, do we want our love to look like that? And we all have different ranges, right? Some of us will go, man, I'll love like this, but man, if you call me into love like that, I don't know about that. Jesus shows that the love is nasty. And I, <laughs> he shows it's uncomfortable, okay? Shows it's really uncomfortable. Let me say that instead. Let's not say that. Okay, so it's uncomfortable. Jesus shows it's really uncomfortable. When you think about your love and what defines your love, how often does it get really uncomfortable? How often is it feeling like you're washing dirty, nasty feet? How often does it feel like that? So, Jesus shows us it's an other-centered love. It's a love that is basic in many ways. It's just normal every day. It's a love that's uncomfortable. And it's practical. Sometimes, and the Bible talks about this a lot, sometimes what happens is the way that we love is, I'll pray for you. And look, we should pray for people. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We should pray, however much you pray now, you should pray at least... 10 times more, okay? So there's just a general rule, okay? I don't know. I mean, I just made it up, but it's a good one. So I'm not saying don't pray, but I am saying this, and the Bible says this a lot. A lot of times our response to people is, I'll pray for you, or we say something nice, or we say something kind, which that's important too. I'm not saying be mean and say unnice things, but the Bible talks about all the time, and Jesus shows us here that it's a practical, active love. It's not a love that just speaks. It's not a love that just prays. It's a love that actually does something, that actually meets a real need. Not just prayer, but time, money, action. 
That's what real love is. Real love is actually doing something. John, who wrote this book, has a letter that he wrote later to churches. I actually preached through, that was, I think, the first thing I preached through when we started the church. But he says in there, little children, let us not love. Let us not love just in word and talk, but in truth and action and deed. It's the same thing that he learned here from Jesus. We're saying we have to love not just with our words, but in action. That's one of the things that many of you do. That's one of the things that I know we can always grow in. I know we can always work on. But man, this church wouldn't exist without people every single Sunday setting up and tearing down. It wouldn't exist without Kevin every week hitting the drum. It wouldn't exist without people giving. It wouldn't exist without people serving. It wouldn't exist. And some of the most beautiful things I see in our community are people helping each other move and helping each other with baby showers and meals when they're pregnant and or after they have the baby and pregnant. You could do that too. I mean, why not? Just meals all day long. Pregnant people eat a lot, so they should have <laughs> extra meals, you know? We have like 17 people pregnant right now or something. Or six, I think, but maybe there's 17. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's real. It's practical love, right? It's not love that just talks. It's a love that actually does something. It's a love that actually does something. I, I want you to, I've been thinking about these questions this week, and I'd love for you guys to think about these and even write them down. I don't, you know, do that often, but I'd love if you even just wrote these questions down. That what, what would change in your life if you were defined, if you were personally, not what you're looking for, not, man, what if the community was defined by this that I could go find not, man, I want a church that's loving. I'm looking for a church that's friendly. I'm looking for a, no, you. What if you, what would change if you, here's the question, what would change if you were defined by this kind of love? Like when people said, hey, tell me about, tell me about you. Have you ever asked people that? I've done that. Sometimes it's really scary. And you say, give me, you know, three things that you feel like are my defining characteristics. Would someone say, man, foot washing? That's, that's the, man, I just think of, you're a foot washer. That sounds like an insult, but like a real, like, man, you're a foot washer. That's what you are. Would that, what would change if you were defined by this kind of love? A love that is other-centered, not self-concerned. A love that is messy and dirty. A love that's practical. A love that's basic. What would change if you were defined? If you were defined by this kind of love, what would change? I'd love for you to think about that this week. And, and how about this? What would change? This is easy sometimes. For Jesus even says this elsewhere. It's easy to love those that love us. But think about people in your life that are difficult. We all have people in our life that are difficult. What would change if you loved the most difficult person in your life like this? What would that be like? What would it look like? That it was other-centered, you weren't thinking about you? It was basic, it was practical, and maybe even uncomfortable. What would change if you loved the difficult people in your life or the difficult person in your life like this? 
Jesus says that there's two things, two things that define the Christian community. He says there's two things that are the defining characteristics of the Christian community. One of them is who we are. He says, you know what defines the Christian community? It's a group of people that have been loved and served by me. It's a group of people whose identity is there, people that are loved and served by God. And it's a group of people that love and serve others, that take that upon themselves, that aren't looking for that, but that give that, that aren't wanting that, but that actively do that. It's a group of people that are defined by those two things. What happens if we love like this? You know what Jesus says? You know what Jesus says actually happens if this defines our life? He says, blessed are you if you do these things. Blessed are you, here's what he says, blessed are you if you know this and do this. Not blessed are you if you know this. Not blessed are you if you've heard a sermon on it. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's what he says. You know what happens if we love like this? If we actually say, I'm going to have an other-centered love. I'm going to live my life knowing how much I've been loved and served by God, and then I'm going to love other people and serve them like this with a foot-washing love. You know what Jesus says happens? He says, blessed. You're blessed. I think what he means is we're blessed because we get to be a part of seeing that effect on other people. You know, Jesus also said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and you know this, especially with kids on Christmas or birthday. You ever gotten a gift from a little kid? I mean, it's kind of like, thanks. Right? I, got my, I made my mom when I was like seven a homemade spatula, like out of two pieces of wood. Had like splinters and a, like nails jutting out of it. And I don't think she was blessed by it. But I was blessed in giving it to her it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and you know that when you, when, if you have grandkids or nieces and nephews, you love to give them presents more than you're like, I wonder what they got me. Right? I mean, how, I mean we, we laugh at it because we're like, what kind of a wacko would like, be like, I wonder what my grandkids got me this year. You know? Be like, that's sick. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Jesus said. And Jesus here says, you know what happens if we love other people like this? You are blessed because you get to have a part in showing God's love to other people. Sometimes in the middle of washing grubby toes, it doesn't feel like, man, I'm blessed. But Jesus says, if, if this is how we live our life, you're blessed. You're blessed because you get to see God's love pour into people's lives. You're blessed because you get you get to be a part of creating a community that is defined by love. You know, I talk to a lot of people that say, I don't see God. I don't see him. I, don't, I mean, sometimes it's doubt of I don't even know if he's there. And sometimes it's, it's people that are Christians that just feel like, man, I don't see him. I don't experience him. And God knows that. And God knows we need more than just knowledge. He knows we need more than just truth and facts of him saying, I love you. He knows we need to actually experience it. And that's why he has said, you're my strategy for that. You're my strategy. And he commissions all of us to be people that love others with his love. 
That's why we started this church, was to love people. I guarantee you there's someone in your life that needs you to wash their feet. I guarantee you there's someone in your life, in your community group, in your, in your family, in your home, that needs to know God's love at a deeper level. And Jesus' strategy for that is you. It's me. That's what he does. He doesn't just say, read a book. He says, it's you. Last thing is this. How can we love like this? Because if, if, at least for me, especially this week, as I've been thinking about this, and I'm sure for you as you're hearing it now, it's difficult, right? It's not like, oh, yeah, this is easy. Wash people's feet. Think about them and not think about me. Don't care what I get in return. Don't care how well they love me back. Don't care if they even recognize it. Don't care if they never recognize it. Don't, I mean, it's difficult, right? Maybe you have tried to love people like this and you have felt like it's not working, which means I'm not getting it back in some way or it's not, I'm not getting recognition or they're not changing. We can find it difficult to love like this. All of us want love like this, but we can find it difficult to be loving like this. So how can we, how can we love like this? And here's what Jesus says. It's connecting both of these together. He says in his command, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And you know what's happening there? Jesus is saying this is not a reciprocal thing. It's not you need to love someone and then their love tank will be full and then they'll be able to love you and then your love tank will be full and it'll be a great circle of love. No, he's saying, you know what needs to happen? You need to be experiencing the love that I have for you. You need, that's why the first piece is you need to know who you are, that you are loved and served by God. And then you give out of that because we do need some sort of love in us to be able to give it out. The problem is we look to other people to balance it. And Jesus says, no, what you need is a love from me to know who you are as loved and served by me. Then you give that out. Otherwise, what happens is we get bitter because other people aren't returning or we burn out because we're loving with an energy that is dependent on a love back from them. But if it's not absolutely equal, then there will be some sort of tiredness and burnt outness. And Jesus says, no, what you need is get love from me and then give that out. The only way we can love like this is if we have an experience of his love for us. I think that's part of why Jesus even did something. It wasn't even just teaching. I think it's part of why he got down and said, let me wash your feet. Because he wanted them to know, you need an experience of my love in order to give this love out. Is his love for you real? Do you just know it or do you experience it? Is it real? Is his love real to you? 
And you know how you make it real to you? you you've got, well, I mean, he's not actually here to wash our feet. So part of how it becomes real to us is as we spend time seeing it here. And you go, man, look at how he is. Look what he does. And that truth gets into our heart that we see, man, his love is real. Is it real to you? The more, look, our relationships reveal the relationship we have here. To the degree that you are loving and serving in an other-centered way is to the degree that you believe he has loved and served you. Is his love real to you? Is, is the most real picture in your mind of Jesus that he washes your feet? Because you will live out of that. Whatever is happening here is what you will live out of. And when we find, man, it's hard to love and it's hard to serve, do you, I mean, I guarantee you those disciples, when they got up from that moment, when they got up from there, didn't go, Okay, hey, no one take that last piece of matzo bread. That's mine. I mean, when they got up from the moment that Jesus just washed their toes, I mean, they would have been feeling this, I want to serve others. To the degree that his love and service of you is real to you is how much you are going to be able to give out to others forever without ever burning out and without ever growing bitter because it isn't dependent on anything anybody else does. It's dependent on what you're getting here. And you know what I think is amazing? We've failed at this, right? Even as we hear this, we can go, well, I'm not, I don't love like that. And even in that, What's Jesus' heart towards you? When you look at this picture of love and you go, is that what defines me? What's Jesus' heart towards you? You know what it is? If you failed at loving like this, whose feet did Jesus wash? Judas? And Peter? Who would, Judas, who would hand him over to the authorities and be paid money to have him killed? And Peter? who would be so scared that when a little servant girl says, aren't you one of his followers? He goes, no, I don't even know him. And it says he cusses. He uses these, I don't blankety blank know him. Those are the feet that he washed. So when we look at our lives and we go, man, I haven't loved like this. I haven't loved like, and we start to then feel, so I'm not, all of this stuff, Jesus goes, yeah, I know. And those are the feet that I wash. I wash the feet of betrayers. I wash the feet of people that haven't loved the way I've told them to love. I wash those feet. I wash the feet of people that did, that are gonna, he washed the feet of Judas who would use those same feet to go walk and sell them out. He washed the feet of Peter who would use those same feet to run from him. He washes your feet that have run away from loving people. He washes our feet that have used our feet even this week to go places that we shouldn't have gone. That's, that's what Jesus does. Again, that's the kind of love and serving and foot washing that he does. And the washing that he did ultimately wasn't even just water on feet. 
The washing he did ultimately that he even speaks of there is that he washed us with his blood. And I know that's a weird kind of image, but what it says is that Jesus' blood makes us clean because he removes our sin. He removes the things that we've done, even the lovelessness that we have. On the cross, his body was broken and his blood was shed to wash us, to clean us, and say, you belong to me. That's what he tells Peter. You have a part of me if I clean you. And this is how he ultimately cleaned us. So saying, your sin is gone, I take it away. Your lovelessness, your selfishness is gone, I take it away. And I take it on myself, and I get on my knees, and I love you and serve you. And I get on the cross, and I wash you, and you're clean. That's a beautiful thing. And the more that that's real to us, the more that we then are able to love and serve others without any eyes on us. Let's pray and let's sing. Father, thank you that you have loved us. Jesus, your love is a love that is so much different than our love is. God, thank you that who we are are people that are loved by you and served by you. That is still such a hard image for me and I, and I know for probably all of us in this room, to get, to grasp that you get down on your knees and wash our feet. God, make in our hearts more real to us how much you've loved us, and how much you've served us, and help us then to be people that love and serve each other. Help us to take that responsibility on ourselves, not wait for something to happen, but to love like you've loved us, not as others have loved us. God, I pray that for our church, that we would be people that are defined by knowing that you've loved us and served us, and that we would be people that are defined by our love for others. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.